Welcome to the Mount Zion Wesleyan Church Podcast. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and inspires you to step into the life God has for you. For more information about our church, visit us online at mountzionwesleyan.com. Aren't you thankful for that name? That name that makes all the difference in the world. That name that brings healing and wholeness and forgiveness and peace and joy like the world knows nothing about. So glad that we have that Jesus who walks with us and talks with us and tells us that we are his own. Well, we're so glad that you are here this morning. We're so thankful that you've joined us for worship. We're glad that you're with us online. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, I'm Keith, and uh, I'm delighted to be a part of the staff team here. And uh, for the last several weeks, we have been uh, talking about this matter of the kingdom of God on earth. And uh, if you've been with us, you know that we've had some powerful messages. Uh, I'll tell you, Pastor Luke has just been preaching his heart out. And uh, I don't know if you were here last week or not, but I want to tell you that was one of the most powerful impassioned messages that I have heard in a really, really long time. Did you all hear it? You all weren't here, obviously. So, uh, man, that was really something. And uh, so if you were not here or if you missed it, uh, I want to encourage you to go online and hear that message about becoming the priest in your home, in your family, uh, in your community. Um, so very powerful. So I really want to encourage you um, to get into that if you hadn't had the chance to hear that and see that. So this matter of the kingdom of God coming to earth, uh, kingdom values, kingdom thinking, uh, this is something that should radically change our lives. It should change the way we think uh, and uh, the way that we speak. It should change everything about us. So I wonder... As ambassadors of the kingdom, what about you? How's your thinking these days? Do you really have a kingdom mindset? And then that probes another question. So what exactly does that mean? How does that wash out in the real world? Kingdom mindset. What, what does that mean to have a kingdom mindset? As totally surrendered, devoted, sold-out followers of Jesus, I believe that that would mean that we have taken on his ideals, we have taken on his dreams, the dreams of Jesus, the thoughts of Jesus. That would mean uh, that we've taken on his demeanor, his inclinations, his values, uh, that we have truly taken on the attitude of our King. So how would we sum up um, the mindset of the kingdom of God? How would we sum it up? Well, I have a word for you, one word. Um, If I don't step all over my water, um, I have a word for you. What is that word? Celebration. Celebration. God is all about celebration. Our king, the celestial king of the universe has celebrating on his mind. Let's take a look at the gospel of Luke chapter 15. This is a familiar story for you. Luke chapter 15. 
we're going to pick up uh, in mid-story. We're going to pick up right in the middle of the story in verse 20. As you're turning there or checking it on your device, Luke 15, starting in verse 20, let me remind you about the context of this story. We call it the prodigal son. So uh, there's this rich landowner, this very wealthy rancher, farmer, landowner. He's been very successful. He's very prosperous. He has lots of resources and uh, has this huge farm ranch. And he has two sons and the boys know it. They know how successful dad has been, especially the younger of the sons. And uh, so uh, this son has become very weary. He's become very tired of the homestead, of farm life. Uh, He's tired of everything. He's tired of the chores. He's tired of the animals. He's tired of the smell. He's tired of dad. He's tired of big brother. He's just tired of it all. He's tired of every bit of it. He's ready to get out of Dodge. Um, He's ready to leave town. He's ready to go see what the big city has to offer. He's just tired of of ho-hum country life, and he wants to see what the world has to offer him. And so he goes to dad, and he has a powwow, a heart-to-heart with him, and he basically says something like this, dad, uh, I kind of wish you were dead. It's basically in that context what he's saying. He's saying, I want my inheritance now that I would normally get at your demise. I'll take it now, right now. And so the father, loving his son so much, not to force his will on him, loving his adult son so much, enough to give him his own free will and allow him to make his own choices, does that. He gives him his portion of the inheritance. So the son takes off and uh, does exactly that. He just uh, has a great wild time. He lives it up doing who knows what in who knows where, and uh, wastes all the money, and literally gives out and becomes homeless. He becomes a homeless person, has nowhere to go, nowhere to live, no money to spend, and ends up, ironically enough, right back where he started, (laughs) on the farm. He's working for an old farmer in a foreign land, feeding pigs. Now, again, contextually, you have to understand, for a young Jewish man, that is the lowest rung on the totem pole, to be feeding swine for a Jew. So he's feeding these pigs, these pods. My NIV Bible says the pods. Back in Rockingham County, where I grew up on the farm, you call that pig slop. That's what that is. And he is eating it himself because he has nothing else to eat. So he's in a real predicament. He's in terrible shape and he doesn't know what to do. And the scripture says one day in the pig pen with the pigs, he finally comes to himself and he thinks, you know what? Back at dad's house, even my servants are living better than I am. I could go back home. And he rehearses this speech. I I could go home and say, dad, I have really messed up. I've done wrong. I've sinned against you, against God, against heaven. And I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. That's not even on the table. That deal's off. I'm not worthy to be your son. But 
but I could be a servant if you would allow it. And so he decides to do that. So he gets up to go home. So let's pick up the story there uh, in verse 20, Luke 15, verse 20. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him, ran to his son, threw him out, locked the gate, and told him to get off the property. Is that what happened? Nope. He had compassion, ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Verse 21. The son said to him, here's the rehearsed speech, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But dad doesn't even hear a word of it. He's not even, here's a case of father not listening to son. Dad doesn't hear a word of it because his son is home. His son is found. That's all he cares about. Here's what he says, verse 22. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe. And put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and do what? What's the next word? Celebrate. The father has a celebration mindset. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and found. So they began to do what? Celebrate. They began to celebrate. But uh uh-oh. Something's wrong on the farm. Look at verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and he asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out. Ah, see, the father is still going out. Even this son on the farm, he's right there at home, but he's lost too. He's lost. (laughs) And the father is still chasing, pursuing him. So he goes out to him and he pleads with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours... Doesn't even call him his brother. This son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home. You kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found (laughs) he's found, he's home and he's found. All throughout scripture, everywhere you look, all throughout scripture, we see a celebration mindset. We see it everywhere. Even on the first page of the Bible, we see it in creation. You see it right there in creation. Do you see it? On the very first page, we see it in creation. From the beginning of time, When the world was first spun into existence, when creation was just coming into view in the earliest moments of creation, God had on his mind celebrating. He's always been about celebrating. As we carefully follow the creative process through that creation week, 
Do you know this, that every single day of creation concludes with the same words, and God saw that it was good. Every evening, he finished by celebrating the good things that he had made. On the evening of the sixth day, the Bible says God looked at all he had made throughout the whole week. He looked at all that he had made, and it was very good. So at this point, he did something very special with the seventh day. Everything's complete now. Everything is finished. Creation is done. And so on the seventh day, he decides because he has completed the work of creation that he would rest from his labor. And so he made this seventh day a holy, special day of celebration. Notice that the very first special day that God creates is a day of celebration of all the good things that he has done and created for reflection and for rest. Now, obviously, God didn't need to rest, right? I think we understand that. God didn't go, whew, I'm worn out. I need to take my, put my feet up and take a rest. No, take a load off. No, God didn't need to rest. But he knew that we would need to rest. He knew that. That we would need to pause and take a rest. He also knew that every week we would need a reminder to rest and to reflect on his goodness and his grace. And so he created this Sabbath. He created this Sabbath for us every single week to remind us of his goodness the Sabbath pattern. Now, Pastor Keith, so that was Saturday, the Sabbath, right? So today we worship, these days we worship on Sunday. Why Sunday? Well, that would be because Jesus was raised from the tomb on Sunday. So that's why now we observe the Sabbath on Sunday. I can't think of a better reason to celebrate than the fact that Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave for us. And so we celebrate the Sabbath on Sunday. That's a wonderful thing. So we see it in, celebra- in creation. We also see this wonderful uh, idea, concept of celebration in the Levitical law. Most of us recognize the weekly Sabbath directive. I mean, that's pretty obvious, but less known to us is the fact that the Israelites were also required by law to recognize a sabbatical year. Every seven years, they had to to recognize a sabbatical year. And so every seventh year, they had to rest for an entire year. Now, what does that sound like? Oh, that sounds pretty good. I'm up for that. I'm down for that. I'll take that. A Sabbath, a sabbatical year. They rested for a whole year. They allowed the land to rest. The fields, the vineyards had a rest. Farmers, workers, servants, all rested to celebrate together. And then in verse 8 of this same chapter, chapter 25 of Leviticus, we see that they celebrated every 50th year, a year of jubilee. Now talk about celebration. That was real celebration. In the year of Jubilee, the 50th year, all the debts were canceled. All the land was returned to its 
original owners and all those in prison were set free. That's some happy prisoners. They were all set free. Now, here's what's interesting. Back in those days, prison was primarily for debtors because most other crimes were punishable by death. (laughs) So if you were in prison, you were in prison because you were a debtor. Um, So Jubilee really was good, wonderful news for the poor, the disenfranchised, those who were slaves, those in prison or bondage of any kind. Can you imagine what a year of celebration that must have been when all the land was reclaimed and everyone in bondage was set free, celebrating freedom. So this Hebrew word for celebrate and its derivatives is used pretty sparingly throughout the Old Testament, but the concept permeates the life of the Hebrew people. Another place that we see it is in the feast days, in the feast days. Hagag, the Hebrew word, means to prepare, to keep, or to observe a festival. And of course, it describes the three main pilgrimage feasts that the Israelites observed. Passover, first fruits, and tabernacles. Now let's talk about why they observed those and what they were remembering. Of course, we know that Passover celebrates their freedom from the bondage of Egypt. First fruits was a prophetic feast and it celebrated the coming of the Messiah who would deliver them from the bondage of their sin and their wrongdoing. For us, of course, first fruits celebrates our deliverance that Jesus brings from his resurrection from the dead. And then tabernacle, what does that celebrate? The Feast of Tabernacles celebrated the Hebrews' deliverance from a nomadic tent-dwelling existence in the wilderness when they were 40 years in the wilderness, their deliverance from living in a tent to the land of Canaan where they lived in a permanent city from that point forward. And 2 Corinthians 5.1 gives us that relevance for us today. Now we know that if the earthly tent that we live in is destroyed, and one day it's, it's gonna be destroyed, then what will happen? We have a building from God, an eternal house in the heaven, not built by human hands. So all these Jewish festivals set the tone of celebration. But there's, there's just no question that the God of the Old Testament, even through all these festivals, he has celebration on his mind. He has a celebration mindset. Um, So as we move into the New Testament, then we see the Son of God coming to earth. And as he comes to earth, it's obvious that he too has the mindset of reclaiming the lost, the broken, the hopeless, and celebrating that. In Luke chapter four, Jesus, as a young man, comes into Nazareth. He comes into Nazareth, he walks into the temple, and he steps up to read the scripture. He takes the scroll and he unrolls it to Isaiah 61, and this is what he reads. It's recorded in Luke 4, 18 and 19. Imagine Jesus as a young man reading these words. The spirit of the Lord is on me, 
because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So he reads that, rolls it up, sits down, and then he says, this scripture today has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, Carol's paraphrase, Jesus says, I'm it. What you just heard is me. I am the Messiah. So as the Messiah, Jesus comes to fulfill this promise. So then we go to Luke chapter 14. In Luke 14, verse 1, we see Jesus going to the home of a prominent Pharisee to eat dinner, to have dinner. And uh, it says in Luke 14, 1, that he had been watched for days. So the Pharisees and the official religious community, man, they were watching him. They had their religious binoculars out and they were watching him closely. Jesus was always under the scrutiny of the religious community. They were always watching him. And so they're carefully watching him. This is a Sabbath day. And as Jesus is eating, there's a man there who's in real trouble. He's sick. He has the dropsy, which is a form of paralysis. So what's Jesus going to do? He came to seek and to save those who are lost. He came to heal those who are hurting. This guy is paralyzed. What's Jesus going to do? It's the Sabbath. What's he going to do? He's going to heal him. So he heals him. And so the official religious community there, these Pharisees, what do they do? Oh, they have cardiac arrest. They can't believe it. Jesus has broken the law. The son of God who made the law. They're worried about him breaking it. <laughs> they can't even see that this man who has struggled his whole life, who is hurting and struggled, his whole life has been set free now. They don't even see that. All they see is Jesus broke the law. They're all been out of shape because he broke the law. They can't see the man has been set free. And Jesus basically has some words for them. He has something to say to them. <laughs> Jesus has a celebration mindset, and he basically says to them, guys, you're criticizing, you're complaining, you're upset, when you ought to be celebrating. You ought to be celebrating that this man is healed and set free. You should be rejoicing. Jesus was forever telling stories of people who were celebrating when they found what was lost in their lives. And here in Luke chapter 15 now, the story we just read, if you notice, there's several stories in this chapter about people who lost things. A shepherd who lost his one precious sheep out of a hundred. He lost his sheep. The dear lady who lost a coin. And this father who lost his son. Now, every single one of these, every one of them ended up celebrating. Jesus is all about celebrating. Now, let me ask you, if Jesus has celebrating on his mind, don't you think he would want us to as well? Don't you think he would want us to have a celebration mindset? This may be a culture shift for you. Maybe you're thinking or maybe you've heard someone say, well, I'm just not sure the church is the place for that, a party. I'm not sure we should be doing all this partying in church or 
celebrating in church? Well, my question is, why not? Why shouldn't we be celebrating at church? Uh, I'm thinking the church of all places should be the place of celebration and joy and excitement. If any place is appropriate for a party or celebration, it ought to be the church. Now, we need to be careful here because we need to make sure our focus is correct and we need to make sure we're celebrating the right things because it's possible in church to get our focus askew and to get on the wrong things and to be celebrating the things that maybe aren't exactly what we should be celebrating. And here's what I'm saying. Numbers, finances, buildings, personalities. Pastor Keith, you're saying those things are wrong? No, I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm saying they can be good because they can be indicators that we're on the right track. But I am saying those things are not our top priority. They should never be our number one reason for celebrating. Because all through scripture, and I hope you've picked it up as we've been walking through this, all through scripture, the reason to celebrate was release and freedom from bondage. That's why people celebrated. Because people have been set free. Now, when that is happening regularly in the church, people are getting set free, then we ought to be celebrating. <laughs> then we ought to be really having the hoopla going on. When people are finding Jesus and being baptized and getting set free, uh, that's when we ought to be celebrating. And if we are consistently all doing our job as we should, as witnesses, at home, at work, on the ball field, in our community, at school, then I would say that means it ought to be party time all the time. It ought to be party time all the time at church and everywhere we are. So let's get back to the story for a moment in Luke 15. The lost son is found. He is home. That's all that matters to dad. Nothing else matters. He's home. For this dad, think about it, who hasn't been able to sleep since the day his son left. This dad who's been eagerly scanning the horizon every moment Every waking moment since his son left. All that matters is that he's home safe and sound. Now it's time to celebrate. Notice the celebration mindset in every one of these stories in Luke 15. The shepherd goes out and finds his sheep. He brings him home only on his shoulders. And notice what he does. The first thing he does when he gets home. Verse 6. He calls his friends and neighbors and he says to them, he calls them together and says, Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. Celebration mindset. The lady who lost her coin, turned her house upside down, moved all the furniture out, swept her dirt floor to find her lost drachma. She finds it. What does she do? Verse 9. She calls her friends and neighbors and she says, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost coin. The father says in verse 23, let's have a feast 
and let's celebrate because this son of mine was dead. He's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. It is time to celebrate. But notice, not all is good on the farm. Not all is good. Because someone in the father's house is not in a celebrating mood. Big brother is at work in the field, but he comes in. Why? I think he hears the music. He hears the dancing. He sees the crowd and he realizes, whoa, 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 wait a minute. There's a party going on and I haven't been invited. What's this all about? You see him standing off kind of in the distance. You see some people like that at church, don't you? Kind of looking down their nose thinking, what in the world's going on here? Why are they doing that? Well, what's, what's that? What in the world? Well, so he's thinking, what in the world? He smells the barbecue that he's not eating, and it's not sitting good with him. And he wants to know what in the world's a story. He's upset. And folks, please hear me. When your focus gets inward, when your focus gets inward, it's going to result in selfishness and contention and jealousy and anger and bitterness. Every time it will. When you start seeing these things in your life, you better examine your focus and your mindset. When you're focused on the wrong things, you will tend to complain and gripe and grumble and criticize and backbite. And let me tell you, that is not a kingdom mindset. It is not. And so I ask you this morning, what are you celebrating? What are we celebrating? One of the things I love about Pastor Luke is that every week, every week, he asks the staff, what are we celebrating? That's a great discipline. What are we celebrating this week? We need to be celebrating the right things. And if we don't have an answer, then we need to be working on that because we should always have an answer of things we're celebrating. New life. We should always be celebrating. So what are we celebrating? You see, it's all about getting as close to Jesus as we can possibly get and taking as many people with us to heaven as we can. The scripture says it best, 2 Timothy 2, 3 and 4. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise as some understand slowness. He's patient with you. Some people are thinking, why in the world, why in the world is Jesus waiting so long to come back? This is why. He is not patient. He is patient with you. He's not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. There was a missionary family from India who had served long and faithfully. 
They came home for some rest, replenishment, for a time of furlough. And a family in South Carolina kindly allowed them to use their lake home. It was right on the lake, beautiful home, right on the lake. And uh, the backyard went right down to the lake. There was a pier that went out. And they had a couple of girls and a little boy. So one afternoon, they were out in the yard. Dad was grilling up by the house and the kids were down the yard playing and dad was occupied with the grill. Kids were running and playing and the little boy got a little too close to the lake and he ran right off into the lake and it was fairly deep in that spot. The girls panicked and ran up the hill and said, dad, dad, Jimmy is in the lake. Jimmy, Jimmy fell in the lake. So the dad bounds down the hill and dives into the lake. Sure enough, he didn't see him anywhere. Dives into the lake, goes down. And sure enough, there is Jimmy, down at the bottom, holding on to one of the pylons that holds up the pier. Just, just holding on, bear hugging it with dear life. <laughs> he gets his arms off of it, breaks his grip, brings him up to the surface and gets him out on the pier. And after sputtering and coughing a little bit, he's okay. And they sit there a minute and finally dad says, Jimmy, what in the world were you doing down there? What in the world were you doing? Jimmy looked at him and said, Dad, I was waiting for you. I was waiting for you. I didn't know what to do, but I knew you'd come. So I was just waiting for you. Folks, I want to tell you something. We've got a world all around us these days. And they're underwater. And they don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. They've been swept over by a tide of COVID and economic downturn and soaring gas prices and social unrest. You all know all that. And now a, a European war. They do not know what to do. For a lot of them, they would say their hope is gone. And they're waiting. Who they're waiting on? Let me tell you who they're waiting on. They're waiting on us. No, we can't help them. But we have the one who can. We have the one who can. Jesus can help them. Jesus can make all the difference in the world for them. Why would we not? Why would we not give them something to celebrate? <laughs> why would we not share our Jesus with them? So let's give them something to celebrate. I don't know about you, but, but I'm, I'm tired of the pandemic. I heard recently that we might be heading toward an endemic. And I hope so. That'd be great. That'd be wonderful. I have another suggestion. I, I would like to suggest that we at Mount Zion start something new. What I would call a syndemic. A syndemic where we send all of us out. Where we send our people out. Out into the world with something to celebrate. Where we, we are sent out with the explosive, contagious, empowering love of Jesus. 
that will make the difference that everyone needs. I say, let's do that. Lord Jesus, help us. Help us from this day forward to get our heads on right, to have the proper focus, to have the right mindset, the mindset of celebrating new life and transformation and help us this day to go with the explosive, powerful love of Jesus that will make a difference. In the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Mount Zion Wesleyan Church podcast. We hope this message has inspired you to take a next step in your walk with Jesus. For more messages or to watch our full worship gathering on demand, visit us online at mountzionwesleyan.com.